Hi, and welcome to Hyperfixations, the podcast where we invite on various interesting people to talk about their niche interests that they could just talk forever about. Here are your hosts. I'm Ali. And I'm Nigel. And today we are talking to Elise. Elise, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. And you are here to talk to us about... James Bond. Yeah, you are. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of James Bond going on right now. I mean, I guess it is kind of over-ish for a while, but it's still in my brain. I still have not seen No Time to Die. I was wondering, actually, because I wasn't going to like get into movie specifics too mm. much, but mm. I w- will not um, spoil that. Of this is a No Time to Die spoiler-free zone. The rest of the movies, yes. we can make no promises. Yeah, I it's may just talk like... about the vibes of the movie, but that's about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to see it, but it was like, I was working far more like days of the week than I am now. And so I never really got the chance because on my day off, it'd be like, I need to catch up on like writing my dissertation. And then Daniel Craig is looking at me longingly from a poster being like, you know, you want to watch the film. And I'm like, I know, Mr. Craig, I know. I'm so sad to hear that. Um, Yeah, Yeah, there's so many films I need to go. When you get the chance to watch it. Yeah, when you get the chance, so definitely go see it because it's really I'm going to like... Because I'm, really I'm like only I'm only working two days next week, so maybe when I'm back up in Dublin, I'm just gonna like spend a day in the theater, like go in and watch a film, and then come out and go into another screen and watch another film. <laughs> what what other that movie is do you the want dream? To yeah. Oh, there's so many. There's so many because they're all on in like the IMC Savoy, and so that's like my mm-hmm. cinema of choice when I'm in Dublin. Um, okay. But there's like loads of them. Um, because I think they're still even showing Shang-Chi, which I haven't seen yet. I haven't seen I haven't Shang-Chi. Either. Yeah. And now, and I now Eternals that. is out. Yeah, I was supposed oh, yeah. to see Eternals t- this morning, um, which is so funny because I am I normally work like a nine to five job. So I normally go only on the weekends or after work. But I had taken I'm doing a little staycation this week um, just to like reset my brain. So I was going to go to the movies, and then I ended up canceling that, and then something else came up, so it was good that I canceled it. But I'll probably see it by the by Monday night, the latest, I would think. Mm. Fair, fair. I have, so, um... Oh, I'm, sorry. I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to, like, try and get this podcast back on track and be like, why yes. did you pick James Bond for today's episode? <laughs> what does you James mean you don't want to hear about all of my movie goings? Um... That's that's yes. the bonus episode. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up in a household where my dad just always watched James Bond movies. He read all the novels when he was a kid. Um, but my first experience with James Bond was probably Goldeneye and Pierce Brosnan. Um, I didn't remember this, but very recently my sister remembered that we saw it in the theater. I really could not tell you about that um (laughs) but yeah i just really liked all the gadgets and that the thing i like about james bond is like for the most part you can kind of just turn your brain off and just let it wash over you and just watch cool things happen and i don't think about the politics of it because they're trash i don't (sighs) think about like you know that kind of thing it's just like watching a a guy do some cool shit was just very enjoyable. Um, but it add, had the added bonus of it being something I could catch up on and then talk to my father about. 
Um, because yeah. I do have some other like dad tastes as some people would call it. So like it is fun like to like rewatch the old movies and then talk to him about them. Like you know, we'll do quotes back and forth. It's it's a lot of fun. Um I had originally seen like all the Brosnan and Craig movies like as they came out for the most part, but I had not really gone back to watch the older films until I think like an ex-boyfriend of mine and I we're watching them, like the old Connery ones. I think they must have mm. been on Netflix or something back, you know, before things changed what streaming app they were on every month. And uh, <laughs> we never got to real? finish because they, yeah, that always happens. And we never got to finish because I don't remember if it was because we broke up or because <laughs> they stopped airing them on Netflix. <laughs> so we stopped. But then like a couple years ago in 2019, I decided I was going to fill in all the gaps and... I watched every Bond movie that I hadn't seen before. And then this year, I rewatched all of them leading up to No Time to Die, um, which was a lot of fun. I found this book that I actually read along with the movies, which um, it's called... I know I talked to Nigel about this already, but it's called Nobody Does It Better, and it's basically like this oral history of... James Bond so like I would you know read the section on Dr. No and then watch Dr. No and like I did that through all of the movies yeah and it was just really cool you get a lot of behind the scenes things um you kind of find out a little bit like of the gossip of you know why did why was you know George Lazenby only in one movie etc cetera, etc cetera, things like that so it was a lot of fun i definitely recommend that book to anyone who really likes james bond certainly sounds like an interesting one yeah i don't remember how i became aware of james bond you i just kind of always were yeah it was I, like blood. i remember well yeah, but also, like, I remember it being on TV around Christmas, and, like, I brought this mm. up, obviously. So for those of you who don't know, Elise and I, along with uh, Sam and Tessa, previous guests of this podcast, spent six hours recording a ranking of the James Bond films from three in the afternoon until nine in nine at night in our time. Um, and so I Amazing. brought this up then. Yeah, it ended up being five episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was only meant to be like three hours tops and two I episodes that, at a push. And we were like, oh, I, well. I think that uh, that was just very ignorant on our parts. There's no way that it would have been that short ever. Yeah. But I say yeah, that we, lovingly We grossly <laughs> underestimated the amount of shit we could talk. And that's what this podcast is for as well. But... <laughs> I remember, like I said then, I remember them being on the TV at Christmas. Because, like, James Bond, I don't know about America, James Bond is a very, like, Christmassy franchise here in Ireland. Or at least with the Craig ones. Because they'll always show, like, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, and now Skyfall. Like, even for a while after Skyfall came out, you know, it wouldn't be shown regularly on TV. But now, like, Orty will show all of the Craig films kind of like in yeah. quick succession up to Christmas. So oh, that's I always like it used to always be Quantum of Solace on Christmas Eve. And so we get to like 
this one part in Quantum of Solace shortly after like one of the tunnel chase scenes and then it would be time for us to go to bed because we were like 9 or 10 at the time um, yeah uh, or maybe slightly later I don't remember but yeah and so now like when we watch it we're like oh there's the uh, you know like we'll, all, we'll see that bit where we go oh there's the bit because it used to, it was <laughs> always the same part, and then we go, oh well, we guess we won't see any of the film after this part. <laughs> I guess we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny because that's like the shortest movie, so it is funny that you still had to go to bed in the middle of it. Well, see, they'd start showing it at like nine o'clock in the evening. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I feel like here, yeah, yeah. So they it'd be like started it at eight o'clock because that's like when they start things here. Yeah, but see, movie. like the watershed, yeah. the watershed is a big thing on like Irish national broadcasting. So they're like, Absolutely. yeah, we'll start it at nine. Um, and so like by this time, it's like maybe an hour or so in the film. And it's like, yeah, OK, it's 10 o'clock. You need to go to bed or else Santa Claus won't come. Um, yeah. That kind of thing. But I don't know. Like, I, I want to bring this up now because it was it was a point that was brought up to me before like after we did our our thing and it's like quantum of solace is the only good like bond film in terms of color grading (laughs) explain so these are these are things i don't normally pay attention to like i i feel really noticeable though i know which is why i think it's funny that i have not noticed this maybe i'll watch that tonight and and I'll check it out because I can rewatch these yeah. movies like all the time. Mm. Um, yeah, because it was pointed out to me by Shay, um, where it was like um, they were say- um, she was saying like that's what like sunny countries look like. Whoever did the color grading on that got like the white balance really, really just like spot on, and you rarely ever see it because even in the other Bond films, the I suppose this is like. I'm tying this back into like an actual discussion and not some rambling. Um, <laughs> like Daniel Craig films are like get progressively darker and more bleak, and I suppose this is reflected in the tonal palette of the film because like everywhere Daniel Craig goes, it's so muted in color. Even like India, which is meant to be like a really hot, vibrant place, and it's just like it's the most dull earth browns. Like when he gets on the. <laughs> the back of the train at the start of Skyfall. Right. It's like, this looks like it was shot in mud. How do you feel about the scene in Mexico then, in Spectre, with all the colors? I think this is a nonsense scene. And Daniel Craig is being a nonsense man. Um, (sighs) And that was. I enjoy how... I, no, but I, like that's my main take that it's just nonsense, but it's the best kind of nonsense. I really like how yeah. vibrant it is, but it's not like if we're t- talking just purely in terms of um, in terms of color grading, that's still very muted. And I suppose it makes like the purples and yellows like pop, but it's still very right. weird. Yeah. Um, There's a funny thing about that scene, actually. Um, so it took place in Mexico City and they did not have a Day of the Dead parade in Mexico City. Um, that was not something that happened there, but it does now. <laughs> they decided for tourism's sake to 
now have this per- annual parade in Mexico City, and it's a big, um, like, half the people think it's great for tourism, and half the people are like, this is not our tradition, why are we doing this? So it's Yeah, and then they like, crash a helicopter nearly into the square. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I think it's wild that it now is a thing that happens there. Like, if I lived there, I think I'd be pissed, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't. It's... I don't know. Like, it's kind of what I wanted to, to... Like, what I wanted to bring up, like, when we were starting the episode before we asked, like, why James Bond? And when we were talking about, like, I still need to go see No Time to Die, and it's still in cinemas. Like, we're recording mm. this the 5th of November, um, yeah. and it's still in like all the cinemas and whatever um it's not got a quick turnaround or whatever but it's like so much of film is now spectacle and like big budget kind of stuff where it's like bond Mm -hmm. is now this tentpole global franchise and so like you're feeling the impact of this kind of thing throughout the media and it's really really weird when you watch like say spectre which really put because i haven't seen no time to die but i presume they kind of up everything because that's kind of like the gradual rise of the the craig bond films where they're like we're just upping the spectacle the the money everything yeah and then when you compare that to to connery it's like this is not a film for spectacle uh like it's not a film for spectacle's sake like there is obviously spectacle but Mm, there definitely is respecter yeah like the and i love them so i'm not saying this like negatively but there there is something about the craig movies that and the spectacle of it that it does start to feel a little bit like a mission impossible type of movie um yeah and i I know and i love mission impossible so that's like but that's it's but it's like it's not i don't know that it's bond like it's not the same yeah because like the new Mission Impossible franchise with Tom Cruise definitely feels birthed out of the wake of James Bond. But like when you compare the original Mission Impossible, which is like someone has released a knock list or whatever of all the secret agents, which is a Bond plot. That's the instigator of the plot of Skyfall, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. a very like close and intimate affair. And then when you compare it to Ghost Protocol or I haven't seen Rogue Nation, actually. I like, like, I, I like Rogue. It is pretty good. They yeah, generally or, speaking get better as opposed to getting worse, which is kind of weird. Like, yeah, I'm after a, the like third a, one. I'm a freak because my favorite is the third one, but like that's mainly because of Philip Seymour Hoffman. That is yeah. such a hot take. I, that is the one I don't I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> but, tune in to the tune into the bonus Mission Impossible episode. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I um recently rewatched all of them and I had a hard time paying attention to that one. But um oh, I mean part of it could have just been I was doing other things, but 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 that's um, so fair. Yeah, like there is there is that increase in spectacle though, because it's like yeah. Tom Cruise is like just bigger, more, everything, yes. Um I actually liked Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation more than Fallout. I think that also I haven't became seen Fallout too, either. It became a little too much for me. So, mm. like in the spectacle, like it was not that anything about Mission Impossible, and honestly, even James Bond is like a hundred percent believable. But it just like there's there's a line, I guess. Yeah, like, I, I will let the 
I will let the Fast and the Furious do whatever the fuck they want, and I they go to <laughs> space, and that's fine, and I can suspend belief for that. But for Mission Impossible and James Bond, I feel like it has to be a little more grounded in reality for me. Yeah, that's another one where it, it's just pushed the like big budget like tentpole franchise thing where yeah. this film will come out and you know, like it's an easy cash grab because hundreds of millions of people are going to see it. And I suppose yep. that's a symptom of today's film industry. But eh. <laughs> that's a, that's another podcast, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's another story for another day. Yeah. Right. You said you wouldn't really like get into the movies in detail. I suppose then, like, kind of as a like, this podcast is going everywhere. Like, as a softball question, like, what are some of the <laughs> things you enjoy about James Bond? There's an easy one because I yeah. think James Bond <laughs> is a particularly controversial figure, at least as a fictional character in some of the stuff right. he does, especially in the modern times. And so, like. Yeah. I have a complicated opinion on James Bond, um, mm. but an awful lot of people dismiss it out of hand, being like, "He's a woman. He is a womanizer." But they're like, "Okay, it's a film about a womanizer. Don't want to go see it." Um, I have my own opinions on that, but I want, like, at least you go ahead and like, like, what do you think before before yeah, I go like so wild? <laughs> I'm very <laughs> excited for you to go wild. Um, <laughs> First of all, I think the fact that there's so much lore because there's so much of it that it's there's so I feel like there's like a never ending like amount of things for me to consume regarding James Bond, which seems like a weird thing to like about something, but I feel like in the last two years we've all been, you know, it's not been great. And so mm. having something that you can just as I said earlier, like turn your brain off and just watch or read and not have to think about it too much is very enjoyable for me. So the fact that there are 25 movies and that there's been there's 12 novels that I haven't read yet, like it's just there's so much to learn about James Bond. I don't know why he's fat. I don't I haven't analyzed myself enough to know exactly why the character of James Bond is fascinating to me. Like, Yes, he sleeps with a lot of women, and some of them um, are, in my 2021 opinion, are not always consenting when the person that made the movie might think otherwise. I'm looking at you, um, Goldfinger. Mm -hmm. um, and also Spectre. Like yeah, that, there's a yeah, weird one too. Too. Yeah, it was weird. But I, I like revisiting all of the... the the, the like the cast of recurring characters i feel and i know they change actors over time but like you have m which is james bond's boss the head of the secret service i always enjoy seeing q which who is the quartermaster at mi6 Legend. he creates all the fun gadgets and in the later movies does a lot more tech things which is fun i very much enjoy bond's flirtation with money penny even though mm. I think it would be gross in reality. Like the, he's at a superior level to her, so it's kind of gross. That it's a bit dodgy. Like. Yeah, but and if you don't think about that, it's a fun flirtation. <laughs> um, I 
you know, there's Felix Leiter, which is um, Bond's friend, who is a CIA operative. I have very strong emotional feelings about Felix Leiter, which is the only reason I enjoyed License to Kill, because that revolves around him. And then mm-hmm. we have, um, like, Ernst Stavro Blofeld, which is who's the head of Spectre and has his various henchmen. And I just enjoy visiting those characters, seeing what iteration will come up with will be in this movie or that movie or whatever um i know that these movies are pretty formulatic for for, formulaic 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 thank you um you know he's usually doing something and then he gets called in to do something else there's some bond girls there they might be an ally it might be a love interest it might be in an enemy i just i know it's a lot of things that are it's like they can like have um you can go to like um what's it called like a casino and like do like a slot machine and like can just like put together different bond movies based on different categories and just like mix and match or whatever but i there's something comforting about that like you go to a bond movie and for the most part, you know what to expect, and I yeah. find comfort. I find comfort in that. I, mm. I agree. I agree personally. Like I also, in a way, really like the kind of formulaic nature of James Bond movies. And like, not to say they're all exactly the same. I, right. I, in, partic- I in particular really like what Daniel Craig has kind of done. Like, I'm going to be brutally honest. I have seen the Daniel Craig movies, and I've seen Doctor No. I haven't seen any others, but. <laughs> um, what I was saying earlier about the whole thing about James Bond being a womanizer, my feelings about that is that um, this one um, reviewer that like I sometimes with films, and one of them was he thinks that like James Bond, like he prefers when James Bond is kind of less creepy, and how he described it kind of pretty accurately sums up my feelings on it. So I'm going to kind of be paraphrasing him. Okay, I don't mind that James Bond is a womanizer, like you know, like. Yeah, it's kind of old-fashioned and, like, it's a bit kind of, uh, but, like, it doesn't bother me too much because I'm kind of like, okay, that's, like, that's what he is, like, you know, we're gonna, we'll go with that. Like, obviously, it's, some people are gonna have a problem with it and that's valid as well. My problem is, Mm -hmm. like, when he's actively, like, like, especially in the older movies, but the newer movies aren't exempt either, like, when he's actively being, like, creepy or predatory, like, I think it was... Kerry Fukunaga, you know, who directed um, No Time to Die. He also directed season yep. one of True Detective, like Love of My Life. Um, <laughs> sorry to my boyfriend. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I enjoyed Fu- Jane Eyre also. I haven't seen that. But Kerry Fukunaga said, um, like, in the earlier movies, like, James Bond was basically a rapist. Like yeah, in some I mean, of the shots. Definitely is in Goldfinger. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Thun- is it Thunderball or you're you only live twice where there's also a scene where like she says where right, someone says like no like and like obviously it's like content warning for all of this, like sorry, like, you know but like I think it worked to be honest, I feel like if James Bond is gonna be a womanizer, it works better that like if the idea of him the idea of him really is that he's supposed to be so like what, like charming and suave and everything, but like He's not, like, you know, like, necessarily, like, you know, like, forceful or anything. He's just, um, very attractive to women, like. And I think that's, like, more enjoyable to watch and a lot less uncomfortable to watch than, like, some of the earlier movies where he was just being, like, very forceful. 
Yeah, but I, 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 I don't would know. agree with that. No, I, I agree. And I think um, there are a lot of movies where the women are throwing themselves at Bond. And I think that's great. <laughs> and yeah. but I agree with you like the the scenes where he's being forceful or and I, I think this is also something that happened in older movies in general mm, where for, for sure a, you know a woman says no and then it supposedly turns into a yes but there might not have actually ever been a yes vocalized yeah um, and we're supposed to just believe that she changed her mind and went along with it and it's mm. very different than the way we talk about consent nowadays, you know, where mm. it's very nice, I think, to have um, vocalized and specific consent. Like, that's, that's and enthusiastic. Fun. And, I, and enthusiastic, yeah. exactly. Like, that, that, that can be very sexy. So to have it the other way felt like, like it... I, I don't know if they're they were going for some sort of like forbidden fruit to use I guess in a biblical uh, way like to have this like forbidden fruit situation where it's like oh she said no so she's forbidden but is it really a no like mm. it's 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 just gross <laughs> it's yeah. yeah like it's I not like yeah and also, also yeah yeah I just think it's a bit like. It's more enjoyable to watch if the women like and James Bond, like if both parties like really, really want it, like and yeah, like it's more fun, like and it's less. Yeah, it makes me feel a less like bit less sick. Yeah, I agree, yeah. and it's even fun if you know that the woman's gonna turn on him. Like, who cares, like yeah, you know, spice it up, like they're, they're, if they're both hot, like whatever, let them have sex. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> My my take is on this, and it's obviously like, as an AMAB person, I haven't had necessarily as much, or any, like, I definitely, like, before coming out as trans, I definitely was, like, like, unofficially, like, benefited from being on the side where, like, gender privilege lies. And mm -hmm. so, like, I can't really speak to the experiences that, uh, like, AFAB people have, uh, like, on a day-to-day -day basis, obviously. But, like, I don't know. It's, like, in today's day and age, the fact that they've made no attempt to, like, update Bond and, like, make it reflective of the times that we live in, I think is a bit weird, you know, because, like... Yeah, this is what people were like in the 60s, where they were all kind of a bit, like, chauvinistic, you know? Like, that's what all the sort of upper-class, stiff-upper-lip British people were like, I guess. Mm. But, you know, and obviously James Bond is a legacy character, where it's been this long, and it is this temple franchise. But they've made no attempts to reform Bond, which is my main problem. And it's like... I wish James Bond was like, I know it's never going to happen, but I wish James Bond was just like Arrow Ace. Um, <laughs> you know, where I could just no, watch I a spy that, film yeah. in peace. Because, like, the spy plots in the films are really, really good. But, like, as someone who is sex repulsed, it's like, it's really uncomfortable to watch even ones which can be deemed in the broadest sense specific or enthusiastically consenting by both parties 
it's uncomfortable to watch. I, I just want to watch a spy film. You know? And, like, there's very little of that in Skyfall, which I suppose is one of the reasons I really, really like. Like, you have the scene with Money Penny where she shaves him, which weirdly led to an increase in sales in Cutthroat Razors, where everyone was like, yeah, this is cool <laughs> and sexy. And then they're like, do you know the amount of effort that needs to go into shave yourself with a Cutthroat Razor and not cut your own throat? Without going into a fucking Sweeney Todd situation? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think there is something. It's so funny to me, but there is, like, a... They do that in other movies with like, ba- you know, bathing someone or washing someone's hair. Like, there's something. Uh, I guess there's something about grooming someone else that is supposed to be very sexy. So that is really just to make it just to make it clear for the <laughs> listeners, we mean in a a cleanliness sense, yeah, not any other like not movie. nothing else. Um, yes. Um, oh, but, um, I apologize. I no, definitely no. meant. I meant like you know, washing yeah. someone's hair, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not mean in a, you know. Mm. But I suppose, also, yeah, it can be, yeah, it but can be on, quite intimidating. On that, it's really weird because Money Penny doesn't turn on Bond. She's one of like, like in this continuity as well. She's much more like an active participant than the original Money Penny was in the Connery films, and it's like, I don't know because she doesn't turn on Bond like an awful lot of the Bond girls do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But she, like, shaves him, which is, like, it's kind of a hackneyed thing now. But you see it in Game of Thrones, you saw it in, like, Luke Cage and stuff, where the villain will come in and give a good character a razor and tell them to give them a shave. And it's like, you know, they're placing their life in their hands because they know the good person won't, uh, like, cut them out. Yeah. And so it would be really interesting if they gave the knife to someone who was going to turn on Bond and then have her, like, in this moment, choose not to kill Bond. But no, it's just like, yeah, it would be interesting. But it's just like, oh, no, this is like a a sexually charged scene. Yeah, Hmm. I get that. Like, I also like Skyfall is my favorite, like, Bond movie. Like, I think it's brilliant. It's like, I love Daniel Craig. I love Judi Dench as M. I love the villain. The villain's amazing. But Skyfall also has the scene that I find personally the most uncomfortable out of everything James Bond's seen. And again, keep in mind, I haven't seen the older ones. And it's the scene with James Bond and Severin. Oh, yes. Like... Remind remind me? The I, lady okay, on the boat. The one that yeah. Javier Bardem shoots. Yeah, I'm gonna... Oh, yes, like, yes, yes, yeah, yes have, sorry. Yeah, yeah. like... Again, content warning for things like um, sex trade, like, and things like that. But, yes. like, he mentions to Bond that, like, like Bond, like, you know, like, knows that she was um, brought into the sex trade at a, like, um, young age. And, and yet they, and then they still have, they still have, like, um, they still have sex, the two of them. And, uh, Sorry, I'm all over the place, but, um, but after Quantum of Solace, which I only watched recently, and it was pointed out that Bond doesn't have, doesn't have sex with the main Bond girl, who was mentioned, like, witness, like, sexual violence when she was younger, and, like, I really liked that, I really liked that they chose not to, like, go down that road, and then, like, with Skyfall, that just felt like a massive step backwards. Yeah, Yeah, because then... 
also Spectre. Spectre has him force himself on a widow just after her husband's funeral, after she explicitly says no. So mm. it re- it's like one step forward and two steps back. Yeah, yeah. It's like for Quantum of Solace, I felt like they were trying to do. I don't think that. I think they were trying to do this thing where he was grieving, so they were not going to have him like fall into bed with whoever. Mm. But sure, you're yeah. right, it does feel like it went in a completely different direction for the next couple of movies. Yeah, it's a um, bit, can be a bit odd. Like, good, like, there are good will, part, yeah. good moments and bad moments. I will say that No Time to Die did not make me feel gross about yeah. it. Okay. I will say that. <laughs> okay, that's good because Ana de Armas is the Bond girl in it. And it's like, there was a video of her uh, that they put up on their TikTok of her like at the stunt training where she just like like fucking kicks a man to the ground and I'm like yeah <laughs> she she could beat the shit out of me and I would let her like yeah this is a on a dare yeah supremacy she's... podcast yes I'm on board um I really loved her in the movie. I don't want to say more because you haven't seen it yet, but I really yeah. enjoyed her her in the movie, and I also, would love to see her character again, mm. honestly. Also, she's in talks to star in the John Wick spin-off film, Ballerina. I still have to see John Wick 2 and 3. I haven't there seen John Wick watching. at all. And I, should, I, love, I love Keanu Reeves. Yes. When can That's we get Keanu Reeves on this <laughs> podcast? Can you invite me to that episode, please? Yeah, you well, can just whole, sit in the corner. Have the whole, have the whole gang. Yeah, every <laughs> single person in the world. They'll be sitting in the call, and they'll just be, they'll just be on mute, and we'll be talking to Keanu. Oh, I feel like we could um, get we that. Need to, we need to use like, cameras for that one, though. Like, mm. I like have to such a beloved. Like, there are a few people who are like as universally beloved as Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yeah, I can't think of that many more, to be honest. I He's want like, to say Brendan Fraser, but I know an awful lot of people don't like Brendan Fraser. Um, which is really I weird think that's because like he's, a recent thing, though. Yeah, because he's done nothing wrong. Bar speak out about the horrible things that happened to him, and mm, everyone right. turned on him. Like the people in Hollywood that turned on politi- him. That makes him political. Yeah. <sighs> you know what? Sorry. People are like, so. Yeah. Yeah. People. Turn that was me. Podcast. My sighing was not about you guys. It was about like, you know, the world. The world. People are. Yeah. People are exhausting. There. To turn the podcast back to <laughs> slightly less sensitive topics, maybe. Um, yes. I think the concept of like Bond and his villains is really interesting because some of them are like deeply tied to Bond as a character like Alec Trevelyan in um, GoldenEye or Mm -hmm. well like Javier Bardem as Silva in Skyfall is more tied to M but the legacy of Pain yeah and the same thing in the world is not enough Uh, um, Hmm. the villain is tied to M in that one too yeah but then also you just you have villains that are literally just like Nazis they're just Nazis yeah and I was saying this recently. Or, or the actor was, was a former Nazi. <laughs> Who was that again? Um, the Golden Goldfinger. The actor was. Um, yes. I forget his name. He had been in the. This Nazi is ringing party, a bell. And but he also didn't speak English very well, and so what he was saying everything was so slow. So they ended up dubbing him 
in the movie. Really? To a I didn't different know that voice part. actor. This has happened huh. with other um the the Bond the first two I think the first two movies the Bond girls were um or no I think the um in Doctor No um I know Honey, Honey Rider was dubbed. dubbed. And I think yeah. maybe Domino. I don't know if it was Domino in Thunderball, but one of the other earlier movies. And mm. it, they actually used the same voice actress, I think, to do the dubbing for those two oh. Bond girls, mm. if I recall correctly. But yeah, yeah. I was saying this earlier on. Um, yeah. Oh, yesterday even. Sorry. It's just like, and I don't want to try and sound like I'm making an edgy, controversial opinion, but it's like. Having a, a literal Nazi as your villain in any year, especially now, because you read an awful lot of those type of books that the Da Vinci Code created, where it's like, you know, oh, we're looking for this artifact. And it's like, people seize upon the fact that the Nazi party had a, um, a subsection of people where they were looking for mystical artifacts. And they're like, oh, we need a villain for the hero to race against to find this artifact. Mm. They're just Nazis. It's like... I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I was going to say Indiana Jones. Yeah, obviously, yeah. but also at the same time, they're set around the 1930s, so like canonically, it yeah, would make sense. Different. Whereas, yeah, like, you know, fair. in today's day and age, where you're like, wow, we just have functionally immortal Nazis that our hero needs to shoot. I feel like it's the lowest hanging fruit, almost in a virtual si virtue signally way, where it's like, yeah, we hate the Nazis. Look, we have our hero kill <laughs> Nazis. And so that's um, why it's like, I do, I do agree that it is a low hanging fruit, but it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I don't I'm know. not mm. saying, I'm not saying we shouldn't punch <laughs> Nazis in the face. Right. It's all, it is always okay to punch a Nazi in the face. Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. We're just, we're just discussing like how prevalent it is, I suppose, which is not inherently a bad thing, but like also it's like, it's like what you said, like you're the fact that there are this many Nazis like cutting about like in twenty twenty one. Yeah. I do think like, that that maybe not this still, but in historically, you know, there were Nazis that like didn't get, you know, captured or caught or in trouble for what they did and went to other places and were even given money to uh be in American science programs. And so obviously like, like the did... Sorry, no, go ahead. No, so like they did go elsewhere, and mm, they yeah. could have could uh, become criminal masterminds for all we know. So also, I don't, like it doesn't feel too ridiculous to me. Yeah, yeah, and also like the neo-Nazi like movement is unfortunately very much still yeah. an issue. Yes. Yeah, and it's like in one sense it makes sense because I I feel like. Like, this is a really important part of Bond that an awful lot of people either don't know or choose to ignore because they're like, they just view the films as films. The early Bonds are Cold War propaganda. Yeah. All of, oh, totally. Yeah. All of the film's villains are Russians. And like, I'm saying it mm -hmm. to you people who know, but like for the sake of the audience, if you don't know, Bond is propaganda. You know, it is anti-Russian propaganda as much as uh, Stranger Things season three is, if not more so. <laughs> Um, I mean, it, I would also go as far as to say as it's propaganda at just being about a spy and, um, you know, while a spy might not act the same way police do, their, their mission is similar. So I do think that it's propaganda mm. in addition to being about Cold War. It's like, you know, some 
that there are evil people out there we have to stop like just that whole concept of you know policing and stuff like that it feels like propaganda for that as well to me very much kind of a like like it is fictional but it kind of almost feels like in a way almost like a different world yeah yeah and i don't know I realize we're talking an awful lot. Do you have anything you would like to say on the topic? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm happy that you are um, talking with me about it. I didn't have anything yeah. else to add up about that, but I'm laughing that we were like, let's talk about something less serious, and then we were yeah, like, we're Nazis. to the Nazis. <laughs> let's go to the Nazis. Yeah, but it's also like, now you see, and this is one of my main problems with Bond as a franchise. I brought this up before. It doesn't commit to anything with its whole chest where yeah, that's we start to see this stuff in the craig films specifically like specter and skyfall about like the increase in like the increase in the size of the global surveillance state and drones mm. as a method of waging warfare and it doesn't commit to any of them really because you have like lines that are really good like where um Rafe finds as M um says to Andrew Scott you know having a license to kill is also having a license not to it's kill not because yeah yeah I love that you, line it's such a good line and it's wasted in that scene because they just brush it off but like yeah yeah obviously as bad as it, it as bad as it is sending people out into combat scenarios com th combat theaters isn't that the word um i'm not sure i think yeah. i am not sure yes yeah. combat theaters and the theater of war um which is really weird because like no one is doing glee out there um <laughs> but you know i'm making them kill a person which is like quite obviously scaring um but at least you have the possibility of them not firing you know yeah yeah it's like what he it's like what he says, like, you know, when you look someone in the eye and like, you know, if you're going to point at him, like all the intelligence and surveillance in the world can't tell you what to do next. Yeah, all the drones, all the programs. Yeah. Hmm. It's, yeah. I think spy films as well as horror. So today William A. Wellman's episode came out where they talked about horror and we talked about how horror represents an awful lot of contemporary fears i feel like spy films also kind of do that because yes james bond as cold war propaganda <sighs> reflects the threat that the russians are going to win the cold war and take over the capitalist american western sphere of life and now you have like with the mission impossible films as well and james bond now you have like the rise of surveillance technology and spy states which reflects mm, i guess right. di digital anxiety um you know like what, what do you think about that at least you know where it's like it, it's i feel like it's almost almost funny to look at that and then go look at what amazon is doing and you're like oh yeah you're so no totally <laughs> yeah you're so <laughs> I close read, i i did you're read, almost there. like yeah I read yesterday or the day before that that Facebook I think was gonna get rid of all of their like uh, face recognition data or oh, something. Oh yeah, I heard and that. I'm like, yeah, like yeah, <laughs> like too late at this point I think. Mm. Um, 
Mm. Um, it's funny. I I I go back to um, the Dark Knight Rises and and the or sorry, the Dark Knight and the um, I guess that like cell phone surveillance thing that like that they had in that movie. Another very good movie. Was, yeah, and I just like feel like in that movie they were like, okay, we'll use that once because this is so bad that we need to use it this one time, even though they tried to have a conversation about how invasive it was but i'm like we're i really feel like we're not that far from like that's like basically our phones are listening to everything we do it's not that Mm. it's not that far from where we are and it it's very i don't know it's very creepy to me yeah grim yeah but i but at the same time I turn my brain off, and in a movie, it doesn't bother me as much as it does in the real life. In our real life. For sure. Um, For sure. Yeah. There's a lot to be said about enjoying films for film's own sake, and we've discussed this before on the podcast, where it's like, they don't need to be high art. They can be something you can just switch off. And it's like, there are definitely concerns, which, like, you know, when the character is a bit dodgy or whatever, but it's also like, Mm -hmm. this is a fictional character. And it is, obviously, you know, you're going to have to cast a very wide net to find media, which does not upset anyone. And I'm not trying to get into, oh, everything is triggering all these snowflakes. It's like, that's just the way of the world. I just watched the Aristocats recently. Oh my God. I would imagine that nobody, there's like, that movie is so charming, yet there's still stuff in it that could be offensive. (laughs) I think that's like it's in everything. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like oh, yeah, that's the way sure. of the world. Yeah. yeah. Like all of the media. And we're always learning. Someone. Yeah. That's true. Um, I was gonna say something and then it went, went left my head. I hate when that happens. Oof. Um, great Woof. podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> um. I had said earlier I wasn't going to, like, get into the movies, but I meant more, like, I wasn't going to be, like, I wasn't going to do, like, spoiler takes on movies. So if people haven't seen them. Um, Mm. I did kind of want to talk about my favorite movie. I'm trying to remember what your favorite Bond movie was. So it's funny because we, you know, Nigel and I were on the podcast where we talked for a million hours, and I actually changed my ranking after that um so okay i'm gonna share my top five i think all right um so number five would be skyfall um number four number four is now on her majesty's secret service which i had not rewatched right before we recorded nigel last time so that went up a, a lot higher that is my number one favorite Bond film. I know. I was I was excited I that need to watch it. number ones mm-hmm. were in my top five. Yeah, it's uh, the... I need to watch that one. Yeah, it's the only one with George Lazenby. I've seen the ending yes. of it, like, and oh my god. Mm. Yeah, so I don't know if either... I don't know where if it's available where you... In I, have it on, I have it on DVD. I have all the movies on DVD, like, so... Oh, no, I was going to say there's a, do- there's a documentary about... George Lazenby okay. called The Coming okay. Bond. Where oh yeah, that's he... a good one. So it's so interesting. It, it air. It was on Hulu. It's on Hulu here. But um, basically, he narrates this whole story that also sounds like it could be 
50% bullshit. Like, there's, he's just doesn't see, like, he's recalling from his memory. And normally I don't like documentaries like this where they have him narrating it and they actually hired actors to, like, portray what he's saying in his narration of this movie. I'm not mm. someone that likes, um, like recreation like I would just like rather see actual footage or whatever like that yeah, yeah so it's just it's but it's kind of a bonkers story and I get the impression that he only wanted to do one Bond movie because if you are James Bond Eon Productions probably like owns you you have to you have to act a certain way in public you have to be a certain way and i don't know that i have no idea if it's the same for daniel craig now as it was for sean connery mm -hmm. because that is a lot of years went by and there are different um we have different cultural norms now than we did than we did in the 60s and so i think that sean connery like was very limited in what he was allowed to do and not do while he was in that role and george lazenby People say he made a mistake by only doing the one movie, but I think he just really didn't want to be controlled. He wanted mm. to be able to do his own thing. That's very That's It wasn't acting. <laughs> That's a thing now as that you see as well, it, like with Marvel actors, where they're stuck into this contract. And like, you see all those articles that came out recently. Um, I don't know whether you have actually, but they're fucking terrifying where it's like... um. Brie Larson, or, or no, who is it? Someone in one of the newer Marvel films that have come out, you know, like not a franchise one, like got a call from an unmarked number that they think was Kevin Feige, you know, where it's like, it's under, you know, like it's really, really like cloak and dagger shit where Kevin Feige's mm -hmm. just doing really like kind of threatening aura stuff. But like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they. No, I haven't heard of this. Oh, I'll yeah, share it to you. I'll share it to you if I can yeah. find it. I'll put it in the chat. Okay. Um, but it's so scary because like this is on just the hiring actors stage. But then like because they're so merchandisable, they lose the rights to their own face. Um, well, that's need true. To... Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, that actually it... happened with Star Trek or the yeah. original series. Um, Gene Roddenberry had um, basically written a contract with um desi lu which was the production company that ended up getting bought out by paramount which produced the show basically saying like any footage that isn't used like any dropped footage anything they could they can use for anything so like leonard nimoy went to a different i don't know what country he said it was and he saw this like commercial he saw this billboard of his own face where spock's ears were like folded down and then the next picture he has a beer in his hand and his ears are up and he's like this is mortifying like I did not agree to any of this and that's mm. it was just a contract that Gene Roddenberry had signed and so Leonard Nimoy had absolutely no say in what happened with anything involving his face and that was one of the first instances where they were doing that because I don't think they were really making merchandise based on characters so much before that in the 60s mm. And now you have yeah. the now you have the Twitter thread, which is one of my favorite things. BJ Novak from The Office finding products from different countries which are using his face, and it's the same <laughs> picture of him. Oh my you know, god! Like, right? Yeah, there's one for like a beard trimmer. There's one for like um, Uruguayan face paint. 
Um, <laughs> so his face is like they've done oh, like funny. they've um edited over it like the um Uruguay flag. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's horror. That's, that, that, yeah. that's horoscope right there. That is, but it's yeah. also like he, you know he didn't give his permission for that. But whereas, right. like, with Bond and these Marvel actors, they've signed a contract where they've basically given their rights away. Because, like, Marvel actors as well, yeah, they need to be, like, a certain weight and certain body physique where, like, even Chris Hemsworth is, like, this, like, you know, this is killing me. Yeah, it's it, it probably causes a lot of mental stress. And I think in mm. the instance with, with probably Sean Connery and Leonard Nimoy, as I mentioned, like... That was so many years ago that they didn't consider that when doing contracts. So it wasn't like you knew that your face would be treated that way when you first signed on, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, mm. And okay, obviously with BJ Novak, so he like didn't <laughs> give permission yeah. either. Yeah, I think he's taking this one slightly humorously, which is fun. No, which is why I was like, yes, that's funny, because he's laughing along with it. If he was yeah. uncomfortable mm -hmm. with it, then it would be uncomfortable. But it's also that's like, yeah, there's not an awful lot he can do in this scenario. He's just yeah, like, okay. Go to Uruguay and, and like sue them. Like, it's, yeah, he's not going to do that. that. I mean, yeah. I would too, but I, it probably isn't worth the energy, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. To bring the podcast um, back to Bond. Yes. So my third What's your number three? movie. Yes, it's Goldfinger. Um, okay. I think Goldfinger is the best villain, and not just because the actor was an actual uh, Nazi. Um, I hate to even mention this, but that villain to me is very much like Donald Trump. Um, he's he's Ooh. after himself. He's after money. He, although I would say he's a little bit. Um, he plays golf. Uh, I mean, that is like <laughs> a thing. Um, so does Donald Trump. One of the yeah, yes, exactly. Um, he Goldfinger is wild because instead of robbing Fort Knox, which is basically where all the gold, is, I don't even know if this is like still a thing. So I'm gonna use past tense where all the gold was. Instead of robbing it. He decided he was going to destroy it so that all the gold he already owned was worth more. And I'm like, that is Genius. kind of brilliant. Like, I find, I'm like, that would be a really smart way. Because, I mean, it's just basic economics. The more money there is, the less your money's worth. The less money there is, the more it's worth. Like, it just, because it's a made-up, ridiculous system. Is this I the point where we say just print more money and get every single man on the internet mad? Yes, just, I, I'm I'm for that. <laughs> I like I'm just gonna text my boyfriend now who's a BIS graduate and just say just print more money. Do it. Yes, I've and done it before. I'm it all the time. Um, but yeah, so Goldfinger had the opposite idea that he was gonna just destroy the world's economy so that his what he had was worth more. <laughs> Aaron's full of fingers, um, sig sigma, ma sigma male grind sesh. <laughs> I also, this movie, besides the stuff that we spoke about earlier, which I won't get into again, has my mm -hmm. favorite Bond girl. Um, Pussy Galore is canonically a lesbian. I have not yes. read the book, which I'm going to read. Um, 
but yeah, money's fake, and this has a really great laser scene where um, you expect me to talk. Bond is like, <laughs> yeah, no, I expect you to die. No, Mr. Bond, uh, I expect you to die. Sorry, just like, to bring it back really, really quickly to help. I'm a fish. There's a scene in that <laughs> film where. The children say, what do we do now? And Alan Rickman as a fish just goes, die. <laughs> you know, to anyone who wasn't like, because we weren't recording when we were speaking about Help I'm a Fish. Oh, so people yeah. are just going to be like, oh, we're going to bring it back to what a Help I'm a Fish. <laughs> but yeah, iconic reference, iconic movie. Uh, I mean, iconic line. so based on what we spoke about earlier about Bond and how he just like loves to bang ladies. The fact that you're threatening his penis with a laser is fucking hysterical to me. <laughs> I love it. I love to see it. And then my top two movies, I go back and forth. Um, and I think when we spoke last, Nigel, I said that my top movie was Casino Royale. But that is my... I'm putting that in second place. And Casino Ooh. Royale is the first Daniel Craig movie. Um, one... I have a, a lot to say about this movie, though. Or about Casino Royale in general. Um, I really think, for me, it's a perfect movie. Like, I just can sit and watch it and just... I don't... I, like, last time I watched it, I didn't even look at my phone. And that's... In 2021, that's, like, the mark of a good movie if you don't get distracted <laughs> by something else. Um, I... I like that movie because, like, you don't know who you can trust when, when you're watching it. Like, every... You don't... I find it unpredictable, and I I really like that. Like, it... It didn't go by the formula because it was more of a an origin story again. So... Because that's the first novel that was written. Mm. Um, but the reason why that movie didn't get made earlier is because the Eon Productions didn't have the rights to it. Um, it... Oh! So, yeah, so that's what happened. So, Kevin McClory, I think, was it him? I know he had the rights to Thunderball, so that's why Never Say Never Again got me. But I don't remember. Uh, so, MGM had the rights to Casino Royale. And they actually, in 1954, had made a television special called Casino Royale that was like, you can watch it on YouTube. I'll, I'll share it with you guys. Um, and... Basically, in this iteration, James Bond was American, and he was, like, a combined intelligence agent, and they called him Jimmy Bond, because he was American, and Lashif, who is played by Mad Mads Mikkelsen in the movie, is played by Peter Lorre. Oh <laughs> my gosh. No Felix... Yes, you have to watch this. It's, like, 54 minutes or something. And there's no Felix Leiter, but there's a character named Clarence Leiter. And I don't remember, but Clarence might be British. So they kind of switched their, like, what countries they were from. Um, so the reason, so this other group had the rights to Casino Royale. And that's also why the spoof of Casino Royale called Casino Royale in Got made in 1967. I didn't. I could not watch that movie. Um, I tried. I don't know if either of you have seen it. It's like just supposed to be a joke on Casino. I haven't on seen it. James Bond. Um, so, in a huge deal in 1999, Eon Productions traded with MGM for Casino Royale, and Eon Productions gave MGM Spider Man. 
So this was like the precursor to the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. And then later, all of the things that happened were getting Spider-Man into the MCU. So like if this deal never happened, I very much wonder what would have happened with Spider-Man because it's so huge now. Um, but that, that is, is quite also... Like, it's just interesting, interesting that it's all related. Yeah. So, my number one movie is Thunderball. Ooh. This movie is so... Basically, the plot is that there is a criminal organization that has obtained some nuclear bombs, and they are asking for a hundred million pound ransom, which is probably where uh, Dr. Evil and awesome powers decided that he was going to ask for a million dollars in um one million dollars yes <laughs> um and they they're, they want it in the form of diamonds um or they're gonna you know basically i think like blow up miami or something like that <laughs> so fair fair the reason you know? yeah i mean i don't i've been to miami it's it's fine. <laughs> not my favorite place, but I still would, you know, it's better if people are not blown up by nuclear bombs. For sure. Um, <laughs> Controversial opinion. Yes. Oh, I thought you were going to share a controversial opinion. No, I'm saying... That I had one. Yeah, yeah it might no, be controversial, but like... Yeah, I... Yeah, oh, yeah. I, such, <laughs> a hot, I such a spicy hot take here, being like, I'd yes. like the planet not to be nuked. Thanks. Um, and then, <laughs> Apologies, yeah. I misunderstood what you were saying. Yeah. But yeah. Hashtag Elise is over party. <laughs> oh, wild. I can see my breath. Um, oh, it's, you can it's watch? not that cold. Here I can today. see my breath. Oh, no. Winter. Um, yeah. I love winter. Uh, so this is actually was supposed to be the first movie that they made, but they didn't. I'm glad they didn't and did Dr. No instead because there's no way that they would have been able to film this under the underwater fight scene in this movie for the budget that they had gotten for Dr. No. Like they just wouldn't Fair. have been able to afford it. The underwater fight scene is so it's it might be the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life, which is why I absolutely love it. It's just they're shooting guns at each other underwater. And the only way you know who the and the bad guys are based on the color of their scuba gear. Um, okay. It's just so ridiculous. I just I get so much I think the first time I watched it, I just was laughing for the whole the whole movie. Like it was so bonkers. And I'm just really here for, like, ridiculous James Bond. Yeah, the early James Bonds are definitely, like, a pillar of hilarity. You know, there was much yeah. more jokes. Yeah, um, I'm here for the jokes. Yeah, and I one feel line. like... One line, Bond one-liners. Yes. Yes. Um, Because it's like, I feel like Bond is now more serious because of things like Austin Powers, which lampooned the shit out of the Bond right. franchise. And so Fair. now they were like, well, we can't be associated with that because this is ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. But like, I also, I, I, I agree with you, but I don't know that that was the right way for them to go. Like, don't get me wrong, I love the serious films, but I just feel like you should be able to joke about yourself. 
And like, for sure, that is why I loved like I even I, the first time I watched them, I didn't love them. But I go back and I even love the like really corny Roger Moore movies because at least they are laughing at themselves. I think that that is I don't know. There's something lost if you can't laugh at yourself. Like, I just, it's so, and I, obviously, it's a movie, it's not a person, but the people writing the movie need to be able to laugh at James Bond. I mean, it's a guy who seduces women and has gadgets. Like, that's, like, what's not to laugh at there? I don't know. Mm. Hilarious. Like, we love it. Yes. My favorite, and I had told Nigel this before, but my favorite Bond joke is there's a scene in the man with the golden gun where he's trying to find out where to go next or whatever and this woman tells him that something's going on down at the bottoms up club which i guess is like oh i've seen this part club and so they have like martinis and they're about to they're about to um you know clink glasses and he says bottoms up and then the next scene is like this woman's ass like dancing at this dance cl- this like exotic dance club and it might be the funniest transition for me in like all of cinema like it's so ridiculous i probably like whole ass. every yeah i like definitely rewound and watched that like three times the first time i watched it <laughs> it's just so like so silly brilliant though mm. it really really is I wonder though, with James Bond, and again, I haven't seen um, any of them, but my brother has seen all of them. And mm-hmm. it seems to be generally speaking that the even numbered Bonds, so like George Lazenby is the second Bond, Timothy Dalton is the fourth, and Daniel Craig is the sixth, um, kind of go a bit more, tend to go a bit more maybe psychological, a bit kind of more kind of diving into the character relatively speaking because Timothy Dalton's movies are a bit darker particularly licensed to kill yeah, for sure. being the yeah. only one that has a 15s rating and then the odd numbers ones Sean Connery is first Roger Moore is a third and Pierce Brosnan is a fifth kind of are comparatively a bit more lighthearted and a bit like more like I don't want to say superficial because that sounds insulting and that's not what I'm trying to be it's just a different way of doing things so yeah. I wonder oh, with whoever we get next will it be more like my brother was going to point this out to me but I wonder when whoever we get next will be, be kind of be going more a bit more Pierce Brosnan or like whatever a Pierce Brosnan Bond would look like in the 2020s. Your my mind is blown right now because I had not considered this odd number even number Bonds actor. Yeah, thing, and I can't I, ta- I can't take credit. It's my brother. It's my brother's idea. But well, like, your brother um, is a genius for this. I don't know if he's a genius otherwise, but he is for this. He is. He's pretty. He's pretty. Smart. He's pretty smart. He's pretty smart. Um. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Oh my but, um, god. Yeah, I just feel um I feel like I need to tell everyone I know about this now. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. go tell never... go tell Sam and Tessa that. Yeah. Please. I have a I actually have a like a little like group on Twitter where I just talk about James Bond with some people, so um I'm okay. gonna have to tell them this amazing thing. I hope we get a silly bond next. That would be great. We d- we deserve it. We ne- we deserve to laugh. I think. We do. Yeah, I suppose that 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 would be, that that is a good um almost closing question. I don't know whether I should ask it now. Then, like, how, do we have more to talk about? I I don't really. 
if I'm being <laughs> honest, unless you had more questions. Well, I do have one question, but it's kind of like a close, like it has the air of a closing one, so that's why I'm checking. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, you know what? We can talk about Bond music. Yes. Bangers. Yes. <laughs> um. So there is no Bond theme which isn't a banger. I used to disagree with that, but I will complete. I completely agree. Okay. Um, what was the, what was the yeah. one? I didn't like the Gladys Knight nice, Gladys Knight License to Kill song. What? I felt I felt that she was trying and this is not against Gladys Knight. Like I don't mm-hmm. I love her. I I and it might just be like of the times. I found the song a little boring. I don't know. Like I just mm. found it a little boring. It's the and inferior previous- song, but like it's still. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I. It definitely when, feels when... like she's trying her best to be a Shirley Bassett when she's not. That's ex- yeah, I agree. That's that's but, how I feel about it. Yeah, but also yeah. to to that effect, like I think every female singer who does a Bond track, kind of like must almost subconsciously measure themselves against Dame Shirley Bassey in the same way that most of the men who sing Bond themes um, must measure themselves against people like Sir Tom Jones because, like, they've done the most Bond themes. Or, like... Yeah. Or, you know, like, you've got loads of really big, like, male names. Like, you have um, Paul McCartney and Wings did the one for Live and Let Die. So there is a lot to... I guess rate yourself against. So, you know, it it, it would make sense if Gladys Knight was like, I want to make something that's as um, Shirley Bassey as possible. Just, mm, right. Absolutely. And I have, so I made a playlist on Spotify of all of the Bond songs in order. Can you share it to me, please? Yes, I will share it with. May girls. I see it? Um, yes. Yes, I'll post it. And May I see it? I. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know if either of you have seen The Mandalorian, but it's just like I would like to see. Oh, I would like to see. I would like to see the playlist. Um. So basically, wait, is that I... um, Werner Herzog's character? I would like to see the yes. child. Why is like he in that show? I think he Why says, not? "I would like to see the baby," and I think he is literally in it so that he can say that line and just be amazing. Yeah, he's in and Rick and Morty for some reason just I, to talk about I, penises. I haven't <laughs> seen that, but I also appreciate that he is in the Mandalorian because he helped to convince them to keep it like uh, the baby Yoda, like a puppet. Like I feel like. Um, Oh yeah, I if saw that article. There, yeah. Um, oh, I accidentally. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to share the playlist in the chat. But yeah, so basically, I have been listening to this playlist nonstop for like a month now, and I fall in love with every song more and more as um as I listen to it. I just. I get sad when I get to the end of it. Like, that's how much I love it. I even I remember- love the No Time to Die song. No Time to Die is amazing! But, like, 
I didn't like it at the first time I heard it, I think, and I don't think I had given it enough chance. And then, like, I listened to it for a month, and then I went to see the movie, and it fit perfectly in there. It was such a perfect song for that movie. I love. I like. It's one of the songs I heard it the first time. Like, I really, really liked it. She's so talented. Like, yeah. Can we That's get how Billie I felt Eilish about the podcast? <laughs> We're getting everyone Hopefully, on this podcast. Um, your people can call her people. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's how I felt about Skyfall. Like, I felt like it was a perfect Bond song. Like, the mm. first time I heard it. Um, there's some other songs I love that I didn't come around to afterwards. Like, I love Another Way to Die with Jack White and Alicia Keys. Yeah, that's and... the Casino Royale one, right? Yeah. Quantum uh, Solace. No, it's Quantum you, yeah. you know my name with by Chris Cornell and I is it you know my name such such a good song yeah yes and I mean I will I literally to anything Chris Cornell has ever done Um, I miss his voice so much but Jack White and Alicia Keys really complement each other's voices well and I like that Mm. it's like Mm. it kind of like he has a song on Beyonce's Lemonade and it's like kind of rockish and I, I feel like it's a song I really like, and this song obviously had come out before that, but it just has similar vibes, and I just mm. I really like it. And I was talking with Tessa a while ago, and I think that um uh what's her uh that Amy Winehouse was maybe supposed to be do that song originally. Really? I know that Shirley yeah. Bassey had a song for it, which I think the fact that they turned Shirley Bassey down for a Bond song is like fried, but it feels like sacrilege. Like it just doesn't. Yeah, like, I do like I another way to die, but like, but like, yeah, like I'm like, what? Yeah. Okay. So I I just googled it. Yeah, Amy Winehouse was lined up to do that song. Um, oh. I don't know if she was gonna do it alone or with Jack White. Um, I think mm. she would have been great to do her own song like she had that you know she was that talented yeah that she yeah. should on her Address. own song but yeah. um, i love the fun like, 80s songs too like a view to a kill is such a great song oh um, i love that song and it just it it's so much fun mm. i could like it just makes you want to dance immediately yeah I, but also, the concept of a Bond song is so funny because now when it extends into like Bond parodies, I am willing to go to bat for the first two of the three Johnny English films. But I've never with, seen those. I oh, you should, you should watch at least the first two. The third one I wouldn't okay. recommend, but it's um, Rowan Atkinson as a Bond parody. Yeah. And I think it's like Rotten Tomatoes does not rate it very well, but this is a Rotten Tomatoes I mean, hate podcast, and I am a Rotten Tomatoes. My hate being so um, one of my favorite comedies has a 12 percent on rotten tomatoes so i'm what with is you on this journey um oscar starring I've never Sylvester seen it. Stallone. it's a satire comedy about a man who is a gangster and is gonna go straight oh um Obsessed. it's very hmm. ridiculous um tim curry is in it and really- <laughs> it's it came out in 1991. It's it's very stupid and uh, it's very hysterical. Yeah. Enough said. You sold me. It's great. In in Johnny English, 
we have a ver like the first one has a version of the bo- like its own version of a Bond song, which is um, oh, that's funny. a Man for All Seasons by Robbie Williams. And <laughs> it goes I like I don't like Robbie Williams as a person. I don't like his music, but this song because right. I think he did he was involved in an awful lot to do with the soundtrack of right. uh, Johnny English. But a man for all seasons, like fits the Bond theme mold. Like you could listen to this song and almost convince yourself that it's from a Bond film. So like mm, That's funny. I think Bond song is its own genre now. Yeah. It is. It's like say. it's like Christmas music. Yeah, well yeah. once it's been imitated, then uh you know, then it's its own genre. That's what I think. Fair, fair. I can't think of there I don't think of I don't think there's any I can't think of any other movie franchise that has something like that. Oh well, yeah, I, tried like, to lo- I tried to look up a man for all seasons on uh, Spotify on the Johnny English motion picture soundtrack, and it's not available when I click on it. It's it's grayed out. No. Oh, I wonder if it's January because January, like... ni- January nineteen eighty four. Okay, so I'm looking and because it's... I hmm. oh I didn't mean to start it. Okay, so there's a version of it, but I'm not going to play it for copyright reasons, so I won't be able to tell whether it has the actual lyrics. Hold on, I'll just skip in. Hold on. Hashtag don't sue us. Okay, there is lyrics. I can't tell whether that's Robbie Williams singing or not um, sure. from that brief clip. But yeah, it's okay. a, it goes hard. So I think the reason you can't see it is maybe it has to do with the copyright because I can, I can, I'm on Spotify and I can listen to it. So it must be like the country, like a geo block thing. That's wild. Yeah. 1984. Hmm. Okay. Might I ask my final question, my final sending question now? Do we have other things to talk about? I think I'm pretty good. Um, brain empty, just vibes. James mm. Bond. Sure. That's how I feel. Okay, so my question is this. Where, Elise, do you think Bond is going to go now? Ooh. You can you can say you don't know, and that is a valid answer I mean, to the question. I really do not know. I'm not good at projecting or guessing those kind of things, but I will say that I hope based on what we were saying like i really do hope that we get some a little more levity and a little a little more silliness in there i i don't think we need to reboot it again um i would rather just have a continuation um Mm -hmm. and i'm fine with a change in tone with a continuation like it doesn't have to be the same tone um yeah I will be really happy if, regardless of everything else, if Naomi Harris and Ben Wishaw st- stay in the series. Um, Agreed. I really like b- both of them, and I would love for them to continue in their roles. But um, I, I just, I just want it to be fun and maybe a little bit more fun than serious going forward. Okay. And one more thing. Uh, Yes. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I don't think it's end. I don't don't think it's over, you know, even if. Oh, yeah. It's not going anywhere. 
Yeah, like I just think we're gonna have this. <laughs> we're gonna have this forever until we die. Even even though soon he's gonna be on His Majesty's Secret Service for the first time ever, like potentially. Mm. Nobody take that. Nobody take that the wrong way. Like I'm not. I'm not saying anything. Um. <laughs> but um. My final thing was for J. Thinking of um James Bond. I don't think we actually know who the next James Bond is going to be because I think they're going to get someone who's relatively unknown. I feel like it's going to be a star-making role. But what do right. you feel about that? Um, I think that might be better. I mean, that's kind of what happened with Sean Connery, really. It's kind of what they um, usually do, you think about it. Yeah. Um, well, no, because Roger Moore had been in... Roger Moore had been around for a while, and... Okay, fair, but like Pierce James Brosnan Bond is still what he's kind. James Bond is still oh. kind of maybe less old Pierce Brosnan, but like James Bond no, is still like, kind of what he's me, known for. Yes, to me, I do not know anything else that Roger Moore has done, but I just know he yeah. has supposedly done things before that. Um, fair, and fair. Daniel Craig obviously had been in things, but now you know he's he's more known for James Bond for sure. I yeah, I think that would be great. I I think that. Sometimes taking someone that's really known for something else brings that other character that they're known for into it, and I don't- we don't need that. It can do. And, like, it's not always the actor's fault, because, like, you know, they could be, like- Oh, totally. Busting, busting, busting their ass doing the best job ever, but, like, just sometimes, like, I get what Yeah, I- I- it's definitely- I don't mean for that that it would be yeah yeah of course fault or anything like that oh yeah um, it's just the way our media is <laughs> um for sure <laughs> but i i would really like to see someone new or i mean i don't mean some i don't this isn't like a good judgment but like you know they could have acted before just maybe not yeah yeah where it's like a recurring name or role that we know them for yeah i no, i didn't mean someone like as new as like George Lazenby was necessarily like, but right, like yeah. I just meant, I just meant someone like maybe I wouldn't know, and I'd be like, oh, he's been in X, Y, and Z before, like you know. Yeah, I know. I just like, feel like I... James Bond is kind of generally speaking a kind of star-making role in someone's career. Yeah, like we, I mm. keep thinking like different actors that people are saying, you know, for James mm. Bond, and I feel like one person, someone had said recently, was like. Like, someone like Richard Madden or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, I get it, but also, like, I very much know him from Game of Thrones. Mm. And I feel like that yeah, yeah, sure. is maybe mm. a little... And I've seen him in other things, too, that are not, like, Game of Thrones. But I still yeah. feel like he brings that with him a little bit. And, you know, as That's we said, idea. it's not his fault. It's just it's just how it is. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah, it would be nice to have an unknown person. Yeah. I feel like that's a good place to wrap it up. Yeah? Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, Elise, where can we find you? Anything you want to plug? Yes. Um, I do a podcast called Pod Rates. It's a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. You can find us on any podcatching system. And that uh, that podcast is on Twitter and Instagram at PodRates, P-O-D-W-R-A-I-T-H-S. And you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Elise underscore Tendi, E-L-Y-S-E underscore T-E-N-D-I. Very cool. Nigel, where can we find you? 
Uh, you can mainly find me on Twitter at Spicy Nigel. Where recently I've been tweeted about I've been tweeting about meeting Robert Sheehan. Hey, absolute legend. He's so lovely. Um, I want him on the podcast. <laughs> if, if you wanna, if you wanna, Robert Sheehan. Yeah, uh, just, you can you know, find me. Just give us a call. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me. I know on you listen Twitter. to it, Robert. Yeah, come on now. You can find me on Twitter at alicha underscore ali spelled like alleyway and cat spelled with a K. And you can find me on Instagram at ali a l l y underscore k underscore keegan, where I've been trying to post more skating content, but I can't at the moment because I've lost one of my roller skates. Oh no! You can find the pot. Yeah, very sad. Don't even ask me how I lost just the one. No idea. Um, you can find the podcast at HyperfixationsP on Twitter. Or at HyperfixationsPod on Instagram. Rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, be that Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or in a homily at Mass, wherever. If you would like to come onto the show to discuss one of your hyperfixations, please feel free to reach out at any of the aforementioned social media. And that is all for this week. Elise, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. Oh, I had so much fun. Um, I felt like very random, but not in a bad way. <laughs> always, always in random. a good way. Yes. Thank you again. Um, goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Signing off. <laughs>